Look, this is like pieces of a jigsaw puzzle that are just coming together bit by bit. And I think it's still early days in the investigation. But what we can say is that there is something very rotten in the FBI and the DOJ. Uh, we're seeing from the IRS whistleblowers that uh, US Attorney David Weiss's investigation that went on for five years in Delaware into Hunter Biden was stymied and obstructed all along the way. Uh, they were never shown this uh, explosive FBI uh, 1023 form, which is a confidential human source reporting what he was told by this Ukrainian oligarch who, I mean, you can't take everyone's word for what they say, but the source was a long-term, decade-long, trusted uh, FBI source. And so you would expect that the FBI would have investigated that when it first came to them in 2017 and then it was bolstered with another interview in uh, mid-2020. And the Democrats are putting out that that, that form was fully investigated and found to be... Uh, you know, not credible by the U.S. attorney in Pittsburgh. That's not true. Uh, Bill Barr told the U.S. attorney to have a look for anything he could find that backed up some allegations that were coming in. They were flooding in, actually, in uh, 2020 about Joe Biden and bribery. And he, uh, Scott Brady, got his team to look at it. They assessed that it was credible and passed it on to David Weiss, and yet the IRS uh, criminal investigators there said that they and the FBI criminal investigators never saw it. All right, that's the voice of Miranda Devine. She is a New York Post reporter who's covered this scandal with the Bidens uh, scandal. I just think that's an understatement. This potential treason by Joe Biden in his uh, capacity as vice president and now as president. The uh, allegation, which is so strong, uh, I would say nearly proven, probably proven, that they, he and his family have received maybe as much as $100 million from our enemies across the, across the globe for doing favors for these countries. We're going to make that case today, and I think we're going to be able to make it, I hope, my goal is to make it clearer so that you can understand it. And by the way, we will post Miranda's latest piece from the New York Post laying out uh, her new revelations on our Facebook page, which is Sandy Rios 24-7. Well, this is Sandy Rios 24-7. This is uh, the Sandy Rios of that name. Uh, and it's. Uh, I'm so happy to have you join us today. We are uh, going to talk with someone whose name you are not familiar with. He's not in the headlines all the time, and he's not you know, in Congress because he's on the outside investigating all of this highly qualified, running this program for Heritage Foundation that's coming alongside the investigators in Congress to do a thorough job of investigating the corruption and likely treason of the Biden family. What more can I say? Well, we couldn't have these conversations uh, if we didn't have help, and we have that help from Preborn, and we couldn't uh, help Preborn if you didn't help them, and you are doing that so faithfully. I'm so I'm so proud of my audience for this show. If you want to help them again, you can go to preborn.com slash Sandy. That's preborn.com slash Sandy. And why would you do that? Well, let me tell you a story. When Deborah found out she was pregnant, she immediately scheduled an abortion. But when she mentioned it to her counselor, her counselor brought her to a preborn network clinic for ultrasound. After numerous sessions, prayers, and a glimmer of hope, Deborah returned a week later, clutching her aborted nine-week-old baby in her hands. She had taken both doses of the abortion pill, and it was too late. The impact of this heartbreaking incident deeply affected not only Deborah, but the support staff. Does your heart ache for a story like that? This is happening to girls all across this country who are taking the abortion pill at home and aborting their babies. It's traumatic. It's traumatic. And preborn offers ultrasound so that these women can see that their babies are babies and that they're alive in their womb. If you would like to help prevent what happened to Deborah, you can go to preborn.com slash Sandy. That's preborn.com slash Sandy and uh, make your most generous donation. By the way, you can call the show and leave a message. We're actually getting ready to do a show uh, featuring your phone calls and email because we've been enjoying them. They mean so much to us. You can email us, by the way, at sandy at afr.net. That's sandy at afr.net. Or you can call us and leave a message at 
662-821-2040. And one last thing, if uh, you want to listen to the podcast, there are numbers of ways to do that. Uh, I think personally the best way to do it is to go to sandyrios.com. We know that some Android phones and Samsung are having trouble uh, with uh, the AFR Talk app. And for right now, uh, because not all of you know what the fix is, and I can't say it quickly, go to sandyrios.com, and that will solve your problem. And that's how you can share other, with other people uh, how to listen to the show. It is very easy, sandyrios.com. Okay, is that enough commercials for you? All right, this is serious stuff brought to you, hopefully, in a way that you can comprehend what's happening to our country. So sit back and take a pen, maybe, and listen to this edition of Sandy Rios 24-7. From American Family Radio, Sandy Rios. We are not called to be nice. We are often called to be confrontational. And here with me in D.C. is Fox News contributor Sandy Rios. I think the most important thing we need to demonstrate to our children is genuineness. That we actually believe what we say we believe. A longtime Fox News contributor, Sandy Rios, thanks very much for being with us. Seek justice. Not social justice, but God's justice. What's right and what's wrong. Sandy Rios is with the American Family Association. A pro-life radio talk show host. We've got to say this is the line. Life is sacred. Director of Governmental Affairs for the American Family Association. Step up. Speak up. Say something. Do something. Here's what galls me. I don't like these attacks on the Department of Justice, the FBI, the IRS, as if they are somehow anti-U.S. agencies. Those agencies keep this democracy in check. It keeps them in float. They provide the checks and they provide the balances. All right, that was Congressman Kwasi Mufume. I think that's how you say it. He's upset because he believes that the FBI and the Department of Justice are the ones that provide the checks and balances for our country. I thought, gosh, I thought the Constitution said it was the three branches of government, but call me crazy. Uh, he's upset because we're questioning uh, the FBI. We're, we're questioning the integrity of the IRS. We're questioning the integrity of the Justice Department. How dare we do that? It's making him angry. Well, somebody who's probably the first on his list is our next guest. It's Mike Howell. He's the director of the Heritage Oversight Project And this is something that was launched by Heritage in January of 2022 uh, because there are so many uh, uh, investigations right now. And it was, I think, well chosen that the Heritage Foundation would act as an outside source, uh, uh, holding congressmen's feet to the fire, providing them information and help coming alongside them for investigations. And Mike Howell is leading all of that. By the way, before he joined Heritage, he was the chief legal point of contact for uh, the Homeland Security's uh, 3,000 lawyer office. He also worked on Capitol Hill for five years as an attorney for Homeland Security and other committees working with Ron Johnson, Jason Chaffetz, and uh, someone known as Ron DeSantis. Uh, he's had so much experience uh, investigating many of the old Obama little rabbit trails we went on, and now he's all over what's happening in Congress right now. The things you're seeing in the headlines, the uh, bits and pieces you're getting from these hearings from IRS whistleblowers and the rest is Mike Howell's world, and that's what he's deeply involved in, and that's why I'm uh, grateful he's joined us this morning. Good morning, Mike. Hey, good morning. All right, so Mike, in your office, do you have a big flow chart? Like, uh, do you have like a, like a whiteboard so that you can keep like detectives do, so you can keep all of this straight? I mean, we have something approaching that, but I would never leave that up overnight. I'm sure there are eyes on us we uh you know we're tracking this stuff but i wouldn't leave the work product behind yeah oh uh, well i was just kidding actually i really didn't think you'd do that but you have such a great mind yeah. and it does it takes a great mind to keep all of this in your head well i appreciate it this is a complex period in history i mean if you compare what's going on now and you know much to my disappointment last night uh, speaker mccarthy compared what's happening to richard nixon uh, that, I think, was a lazy historical kind of comparison. It's got nothing in common with anything that Nixon was set up for or accused of. I mean, Nixon didn't weaponize the IRS. At best, he attempted to, or at worst, I guess you should say. But what we're seeing right now is the complete weaponization of government. And it's been happening for about, you know, a decade at least, or like 
since Donald Trump came down that golden escalator, uh, the rules have just been abandoned. And right now we have career whistleblowers coming forward with sworn testimony under oath, the penalty of perjury. They could go to jail if they lied. So we have good degree of confidence they're telling the truth, basically laying out all of the facts of the FBI, IRS, and others completely giving uh, President Biden and his family a free pass for running an international pay-to-play scheme. It, it is a beyond anything imaginable. I don't even think the founders would have contemplated such action. I mean, terms like treason come to mind before terms like comparisons to Richard Nixon. Uh, I'm not saying Biden is guilty of treason. I'm saying if the allegations are are proven, we are in unchartered territory where we have a chief executive who is absolutely compromised to the hilt with a lot of the major foreign adversaries of this country, uh, to include the CCP. And then things get even more complicated when you look at this region, this corrupt region in Ukraine that has you know, been a primary financial sponsor of the Bidens, who in turn not only are rewarding them with tens and tens of millions of dollars of unchecked, blank check money, uh, but that also used Ukraine and, and pointing out this corruption there as a basis to impeach President Trump. This is the entire machinery of our federal law enforcement plus global interests turned against the American people. And when you played that clip of uh, Mufleme talking about how the deep states want to keep uh, America in check, I don't know if that's some intellectual or historical take. I doubt it is. I think he's just so conditioned to defend this stuff. But it is absolutely ridiculous, because even if we were a democracy and not a constitutional republic, which we actually are, this is not democratic behavior, where our elections are not decided by the people, but by mass censorship, mass you know, mail-in voting and ballot harvesting, and then a, a federal law enforcement arm that is completely weaponized against one political party. It's a sad state of affairs. You know, let's go back a little bit. I think that we could start this conversation best by going back to 2016, when we actually heard Biden on a stage in front of the Council on Foreign Relations, threatening uh, the country of Ukraine and laughing about it. I want to just replay that, Mike. I know it's been played many, many times, but let's do that because I think that's kind of a centerpiece, at least the nut, of so much of what we're talking about, I think. Let's listen to this. This is Vice President Joe Biden in 2016. Um, I remember going over convincing our team, our others, to convincing us that we should be providing for loan guarantees. And I went over, I guess, the 12th, 13th time to Kiev, and, uh, and I was going, supposed to announce that there was another billion-dollar loan guarantee. And I had gotten a commitment from Poroshenko and from uh, Yatsenyuk that they would take action against the state prosecutor, and they didn't. So they said they had. They were walking out to the press conference. Said, "No, nah. I said I'm not going to. We're not going to give you the billion dollars." They said, "You have no authority. You're not the president." The president said, "I said call him." <laughs> I said, "I'm telling you, you're not getting the billion dollars." I said, you're not getting the billion. I'm going to be leaving here. And I think it was, what, six hours? I looked, I said, I'm leaving in six hours. If the prosecutor's not fired, you're not getting the money. Well, son of <laughs> got fired. All right. Can't, you know, can't play the vulgarity. He was bragging about how he threatened President Poroshenko in Ukraine, that if he didn't fire the prosecutor, Viktor Shokin, who was investigating Burisma, he would withhold U.S. Dollars, a billion of U.S., not his money, but the United States, uh, the allotted money they were going to give Ukraine. What was going on there, Mike Howell? What was going on there? What do we know now? Right. So this is the conduct that is being referenced, I believe, in the FD 1023, the document that Senator Grassley was able to make public about a, a bribe uh, to Joe Biden himself and uh, the admission of 17 phone calls involving either Hunter or Joe. Uh, that a confidential human source told the FBI and the FBI line agents deemed credible uh, in a number of ways. First, in that the travel was corroborated by uh, the guy who was telling him this, and that the FBI trusted the source telling him this information so much, they paid him hundreds of thousands of dollars. So absolutely credible witness with credible allegations. Uh, this is the conduct that I believe is being referenced uh, in those allegations. And what you hear is President Biden confessing. That's a confession. And I think it's also important to note 
that the decline of America's institutions and our political class is also evident and that our elites aren't even good at being corrupt anymore. They are so blatant. This hasn't been the most difficult thing in the world to unwind. He's laying it all out there, bragging about it, because uh, for these elites, after seeing what the Clintons got away with, the Clinton Foundation, with Obama making hundreds of millions for doing nothing with Netflix and other corporate elites, just backing up to bring trucks to them, the Bidens wanted to get in on the game. And they thought it was their right of passage to be able to make this kind of money uh, trading off their power. And what we hear there is just one element of how they were doing that. I mean, firing a Ukrainian prosecutor, what are we even talking about here? Why is the vice president of the United States even involved in such a thing, Uh, let alone uh, conditioning it on U.S. money being available? I mean, this is exactly the theory that they falsely impeached President Trump on for leveraging U.S. aid for a political purpose. Well, that is Biden on camera, on audio, confessing to doing just that. And I mean, this was out there before the election of 2020. And of course, the media ran complete cover. Uh, they continued to run complete cover when the laptop came out from Hunter that corroborated a lot of this. And that's just the, the state we're in. And now we have to look at, you know, over $100 million that have gone out the door to Ukraine, our money that Biden's doled out. Were any of that, were any of those dollars connected to this? Very open question. Yes, and we and also uh, we because this is like some, you, the stuff of your daily breakfast. Uh, people might not understand, Mike, that we know now because of all these revelations from whistleblowers that uh, Hunter Biden received five what million dollars because to do that to get rid of that prosecutor, and Joe Biden received five million dollars, and we know that Hunter Biden was placed on the board of Burisma for some like eighty eighty eight thousand dollars salary a month. I mean, the kickbacks were enormous. So they took American dollars, threatened the Ukrainian president at the time if he didn't fire Shlokin, so got their way and got paid in the process, I guess, by Burisma, correct? Yeah, that's absolutely what the allegations and the shell companies point to, and that's just a fraction of the money that went into the Biden family. We're talking Comer's identified tens and tens of millions, and that's just what he's, he's found. Uh, by tracing bank account records. I'm sure there is more out there. But that's basically the scheme they had, is uh, you had Hunter and others interacting with these international interests and oligarchs and CCP officials trading on the Biden name, and then the money would flow in uh, to LLCs of all the Biden family members. And I think this is super important for the listeners to get ahead of, because what the left is going to hang their case on, because they're pretty much dead to rights, is they'll say, well, unless the money hits Joe Biden's bank account, uh, you can't prove it. But that's not how these operations run. You, you, if you are an 80-year-old person, you do not have tens of millions of dollars hitting your bank account. Your goal is to enrich your family and the other folks around you who then pay for things and to build wealth, generational wealth that way. And so that's why the money is going to all of these family members of, of Joe Biden, as opposed to directly deposited into his obviously, uh, you know, bank account that would draw clear suspicion. Yeah. And so the example we, we just gave of the Ukraine prosecutor being fired and Joe and uh, Hunter being paid for that, this is just one example, just one example. I think this is the first time we ever heard a hint of that. And now it's been corroborated. Um, uh, there, As you said, I, I heard one congressman say that we think the Biden family uh, through shell companies that were set up uh, where the money was slipped into and no one really, until investigators came along like you, uh, did not realize that they they were receiving, someone said, as much as $100 million. We're going to find out about that. But where did these the IRS whistleblowers that testified last week, Gary uh, Shapley and Joseph Ziegler, Gary had already come out and testified, what what part, what role, what, what role are they playing, uh, and what benefit was it to have them testify? Great question. So the IRS whistleblowers were career senior IRS criminal international tax experts, investigators. Uh, they were assigned to work the Hunter Biden case, and uh, they essentially testified that the case was politically interfered upon uh, by DOJ, and uh, AUSAs, you know, attorneys that are Biden administration appointed who didn't allow them to bring the charges that law would have required. And so that was the IRS testimony. It especially contradicts what the attorney general Merrick Garland, Biden's political appointee, said. Garland told the Senate the 
investigation into Hunter Biden is completely independent. They have the full authority to bring any charges they see are appropriate, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Well, the IRS agents went to Congress under sworn testimony and said that was not the case. Uh, they gave Hunter Biden a sweetheart plea deal, which is, which is coming up on Wednesday, and only charged him for the least amount of conduct they thought they could get away with and uh, left everything else off the table. The IRS uh, whistleblowers also weren't even given this 1023 form that is so central to everything. Evidence was withheld from them, blocked. And so the culmination of this comes tomorrow with this Hunter Biden plea deal. A judge is going to decide whether he gets off essentially scot-free for all of this kind of stuff. What we're doing is I'll be in Delaware tomorrow. We filed a uh, amicus brief with the court. We're the only ones to have done it. I thought the House would have joined us. I hope they would have. Uh, that basically lays out why the judge should reject this deal and the stakes that are at play. Additionally, we're suing in other federal court jurisdictions for some of the central information. Um, and so that's where the, the ball is at on the field right now. Tomorrow is a huge day. If this plea deal gets signed off and Hunter Biden basically gets absolved of all these things, that'll be what Joe Biden and the libs say all the way through the 2024 election. It's, oh, he went to a diversionary uh, plea deal. He's already accepted responsibility for his international pay-to-play million-dollar scheme. What are you still complaining about? That's what they'll be saying. Well, let me explain what you're up against, though, in uh, Delaware. Again, these pieces are hard to piece together, but I think people need to understand that the uh, U.S. attorney from Delaware was the one assigned to investigate Hunter Biden. And there's been some dispute. First, he said he had full authority. Now he says he doesn't. Uh, The attorney general said he did. And so somebody's not telling the truth. That's a whole other issue on this. But what we do know now, because of this great reporting by Miranda Devine and even by um, uh, Margot Cleveland, is that the FBI, it's complicated, the FBI office in Pittsburgh, uh, for some reason, was investigating all of this and vetting, I guess, uh, by instruction of Gen- uh, Attorney General Barr, the information and making sure it was accurate before they presented it to David Weiss. And then David Weiss and the uh, Delaware uh, office acted as though they never saw the FBI 1023, which explained what we were just talking about, uh, imp- actually implicating the Bidens on receiving bribes. Uh, and so you're going to into a place that has been in denial and not cooperative. I mean, are, do you have any reason to believe that you will, that they will do the right thing on this issue? No, I don't. I don't think the full weaponization of government is going to come to a complete 180 stop. I think, honestly, where we're at now, and this is sad to say, uh, public trust in our federal law enforcement and systems are crumbling. It's absolutely in the tank. And so the task right now is proving to the American people without a shadow of a doubt, and I feel like we're already well on our way there, that the system is rigged against them and for the the elites, especially the leftist elites. And so that's the fight we're up against. I mean, if the judge signs off on this plea deal, the American people are not going to accept it at face value. They're going to see this as evidence of a complete sham. And so what's happening now, I think, is so long as Joe Biden's in power and Merrick Garland's running the DOJ, Uh, they're not going to turn around and come clean. It's about making the case for a complete reform of these institutions, a complete cleaning of the house, draining of the swamp. And so that's really the long-term goal here, is uh, to fight at every last turn, call out all this absurdity, and to make the case to the American people that fundamentally this movement, the elite that have captured the left in this country and our institutions, are not on our side. And it's time to purge them from any political authority or rule that they have, not just now, but forever moving forward. The yes. agency relegated to the Ashman of history for this corruption. Yes, 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 and yes. I want to add another inf- uh, bit of information about Delaware. We also learned through the whistleblowers that uh, Delaware Assistant U.S. Attorney Leslie Wolf did th- at least three things that I can track. Uh, she excluded those agents who were veteran agents that had spent decades. Uh, they were experts in their field. She excluded them from uh, a meeting in which the Pittsburgh FBI, which I just said was assigned, I guess, by uh, by the attorney general to uh, look at that FD-1023 with that information, vet it. Uh, they were excluded, those agents, from that meeting, so they knew nothing about that uh, that form. And then they also withheld portions of Hunter Biden's laptop. 
Uh, they were prohibited from taking any steps to connect what was uh, the guy that was known as Dad or the big guy. They could not investigate who Dad or the big guy was. Those are, and that's the Delaware Assistant U.S. Attorney Leslie Wolf uh, restraining these IRS whistleblowers from doing what they do, which is investigating financial corruption. Uh, so, what did you think about their testimony, Mike? I thought it was absolutely compelling. I think both uh, presented themselves as experts, as people who are career civil servants, uh, experts in criminal uh, international tax crimes. And then also, they are not Republicans. They are not conservatives by any stretch of the imagination. In fact, I think it was remarkable that they're they're two gay whistleblowers that are, are Democrats. And still you have the Democrats painting them as ultra-MAGA. That's not exactly an ultra-MAGA constituency, according to the left's perception. Um, and they laid it out fact by fact, again, sworn under oath. And this is now a case where the burden is on DOJ to disprove what they said, because the allegations are there. They have not been rebutted. And I'll note that the Bidens haven't even proffered even a suggestion as to what their business actually was. Someone's going to have to explain to the American people what they were selling that was worth tens and tens of millions of dollars. The answer is pretty clear. It was an influence peddling scheme, but they haven't even attempted to say what they were selling. And so that's that's where the ball is at right now. And really quick, the credit for this obviously goes to the whistleblowers first, but uh, who really deserves a lot of credit is a group called Empower Oversight, which is representing the whistleblowers. There are not a lot of firms out there that are willing to take on this type of high-level work. And Empower was able to get these whistleblowers coordinated with the uh, Capitol Hill committees to give them good representation to take them to the Hill and drop them in the lap of, of the U.S. Congress to give their testimony. And so having people who actually have whistleblowers backed, especially in this environment of mass retaliation against whistleblowers, is such an important thing. So hats off to Empower for making this happen. They're the ones who uh, are, are really the unsung heroes of a lot of this. Wow, this is the first I've heard of them, Mike, so thanks for sharing that. And I have to say, you know, Joe Ziegler and uh, Gary Shapley both testified that they've been, uh, I don't know if they're, um, have they, they've not been fired, but they're, they're being shunned, shut out from any of their investigations, just cut off completely, and how traumatic it is. I have a, just a little brief comment from Joseph Ziegler. That's clip six. Let's listen. This is one of the two whistleblowers who testified recently uh, for the IRS in Congress. I've been an agent with the IRS since 2010. In 2007, I received my undergraduate degree from Ohio University, my MBA from John Carroll University. Prior to starting my career at the IRS, I worked at Ernst & Young, Ernst & Young as an external auditor. Throughout my career with the IRS, I have worked a variety of successful criminal tax and money laundering investigations. In 2018, I transitioned to being a, to being a part of the International Tax and Financial Crimes Group out of the Washington, D.C. field office. I was the lead IRS case agent on the Hunter Biden investigation. I've recently discovered that people are saying that I must be more credible because I'm a Democrat who happens to be married to a man. I'm no more credible than this man sitting next to me due to my, actual, due to my sexual orientation or my political beliefs. The truth is, my credibility comes today from my job experience with the IRS and my intimate knowledge of the agency's standard and procedures. So to recap, in that statement, Joseph Ziegler says, I am a Democrat. I am uh, I'm married to a man, uh, and yet I'm being attacked because uh, somehow I'm not supposed to say these things about Joe Biden, and now they're coming after me, you know, claiming that I'm a traitor to, uh, to uh, the, the gay community, a traitor to uh, the Democratic Party. And th- they're both being punished severely for this, and I think... Uh, empower oversight are they able to, are they going to be able to help protect them uh keep their jobs or what do you expect are they how, what does that protection cover so that's a good question in terms of the whistleblower laws they protect you against government retaliation so if you are you you blow the whistle and then you are punished for doing so retaliated against that's what whistleblower laws uh you know protect you against and there are systems in place uh, to help with that. The Office of Special Counsel, not to be confused with, you know, these special counsels like Jack Smith and others, but Office of Special Counsel is in charge of enforcing those laws. Uh, Empower Oversight is led by Jason Foster and Tristan Levitt. Tristan Levitt used to be very senior at OSC, 
and, and knows those procedures very well, as does Jason Foster. So that's where they will legally have their back the most. All that being said, there is a lot of retaliation that's occurring in the public realm right now that you can't really control against. You have a lot of things that are borderline slander being said uh, by a lot of Democratic politicians and media outlets to discredit these folks. So you cannot protect against all of that, and that is why what they're doing is so absolutely brave. For the rest of their lives, their name will be associated with this, and hard leftists will be out to get them. And uh, my hat is off to them to make that sacrifice for the good of their country. Um, it is not without cost. Protection will be you know, afforded where it is, where it is possible. Uh, and it's incumbent on all of us, I think, to help have their backs out there as they fight back against these attacks. You know, and speaking of courage, I, I think of those two uh, friends, friends in quotes, or former friends of, uh, of uh, Hunter Biden who have come out. <laughs> Tony Bobulinski, long time ago, came out, did a full interview uh, and was very public. And then I don't think any, anything came from the information he gave about Joe Biden's involvement in all of this. Uh, now Devin Archer, who is the, supposedly Hunter's best, former best friend who served with him on the board of Burisma, is going to be testifying before Congress uh, in just a few days. So, so what do we expect, Mike, from Devin Archer? What do we expect him to say that hasn't been said? So Miranda Devine uh, had an article, I believe, Sunday, late Sunday evening, that laid out some of the contours of what Archer uh, knows, and that is that Joe Biden was on the phone for a lot of these things. I mean, Biden on the presidential stage said he never had any idea of uh, Hunter's business dealings. And here we have Devin Archer saying, no, he was on the phone. I was there. I heard it. And so that, I think, is going to be the development actually placing Joe at the scene of the crime in multiple instances. Yeah. Uh, yeah. As a matter of fact, I think he says uh, at least two dozen. He was on at least two dozen calls. I think we're expecting him to say that Joe Biden was on at least two dozen calls uh, with Hunter and Archer. And, of course, we have the, the head of Burisma who says he has 16, what, 16 recordings? Uh, I think two of which are with Joe Biden. Yep, 17. Uh, 17. Yeah, so we, there, the evidence, there is incredible evidence, Mike. I, I guess the question people want to know, and you know this because it's what you grapple with all the time, for what purpose what is the end game here? Will there be any kind of punishment? What do we hope will happen? So Kevin McCarthy went on television last night and said this rises to the level of an impeachment inquiry. So we'll see if that happens. Keep in mind, impeachments were threatened of both Merrick Garland and Alejandro Mayorkas that did not materialize. So the threat itself doesn't mean it will actually happen, but uh, certainly mentioning it raises the stakes quite a bit. Um, so that is in the field and where I expect a lot of people to, to want to go. Uh, this type of evidence of an international influence peddling scheme run out of the, the White House uh, is obviously rises to the level of impeachable conduct in a lot of people's minds. Uh, long term, I think we need to reckon with the fact that America has become a corrupt country. And uh, this corruption is played out in front of our eyes uh, and in graphic detail, especially over the last decade. I think a lot of people want to think that that's what separates us from other countries, especially third world countries, but it, it doesn't. And that is very unfortunate. And so it is time for, I think, a deep reset in our systems. Uh, public faith is crumbling in them. You cannot sustain a country uh, where people do not trust federal law enforcement. And so that is the call come 2025, uh, that the system changes hands, that there is an actual deep cleaning, because this is not sustainable. But yeah. it's an open question whether the system will even allow such a change of hands. Uh, so I d but I do think... Unfortunately, I hate to report it. Mm -hmm. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, this is where the American people come in, and I do feel like the worm is turning. Look, if it's enough, I don't know. But the American people are becoming more aware of this, and I think because they are, they're forcing their representatives to pay more attention. I think there's a... There's a, t a change in the mood a little bit. That's my perspective. It may not be yours. And I want to make it clear, we're talking about uh, Ukraine, where we are pouring, as you said earlier, billions of dollars into helping Ukraine in this war. The question is, where are those dollars going? Why is Joe Biden all over giving them as much money, endless amounts of money? Uh, there could be help without it being so massive. So you have to ask. Is there a quid pro quo on this? And then, of course, he and his son are dealing with the, the Chinese communists. 
Uh, they've made money from them, too, from their energy companies and uh, Chinese communist-affiliated companies. This is dangerous, and it is treason as far as I'm concerned. If this is proven, which it seems to me is uh, 99% there, this is treason and something has to happen. Any final thoughts, Mike? I think you nailed it, Sandy, as always. Uh, we're in for a rough ride, and uh, I, I think that you're right. The evidence is there. I mean, what else do you need more than bank receipts? Like, the standard's not going to be a confession from Joe Biden and CNN. Uh, I, I believe the case has been substantially proven, and uh, just hold on tight. Buckle up. Yeah, and pray for people like Mike and pray for people like Empower Oversight, even though that's a big name for you. Pray for these whistleblowers. Honestly, we have to pray. I think only super, only God can sort this out, and we ask him fervently to do that. Mike Howell, thank you. Director of Her- Heritage Oversight Project, we thank Heritage for allowing you to just do this and give you the resources you need, Mike, and uh, we will pray for you and your family. So thank you. Thank you very much, Sandy. Well, that was a lot to uh, digest. I know it was. Uh, And that's why that article by Miranda Devine that we'll put on our Facebook page, Sandy Rios 24-7, will help you in part. And you can go back and trace other things that she's written about this. But I think Mike made it pretty clear, and I hope that I helped a little bit too. There are so many serious things happening in our country. We all know that. We all know. We we know, you know, not only the the depth of corruption in D.C. and worse— Uh, We know the depth of corruption in the American people, and I think there's no better example of that than the willingness uh, to to kill your own baby, to take the life of your own baby. And it's funny, we thought we were kind of done with abortion, at least we, not done with it, but, you know, we had really pushed it back. Uh, But because of the decision to uh, overturn Roe versus Wade, the uh, the radical left and the rabid abortionists that love to take life. They just do. They love death. I remember the, the Islamists used to say, we love death more than they love life. That might apply to some people who are so excited and keen about abortion, who stand and tell their stories, uh, they pr- brag about the abortions that they have and describe them. There's something wicked about that, I think. And so we're trying to stop that, you and I. And preborn is uh, central to that stopping. Uh, Preborn offers ultrasounds to those women who have ears to hear and eyes to see. And they are upset, genuinely upset that they're pregnant. They don't know how they're going to manage for whatever reason. Uh, And Preborn provides ultrasound in various crisis pregnancy clinics so that women can see their babies when they see that baby. Sucking its thumb, moving around in in the photo, the ultrasound. Many of us have had that privilege with our own children. Something happens. And more than half of them decide to keep their babies. If you would like to help that continue and you'd like to help provide those ultrasounds, you can go to preborn.com slash Sandy. That's preborn.com slash Sandy. I want to remind you, you can also call us and leave a message at 662-821-2040. That's 662-821-2040. Or you can write us at Sandy at AFR.net. And uh, we're, we're getting ready to do a, a whole show on your email and phone call. So if you want to get something in the pipeline, you can do that now. Um, also, in terms of listening to the podcast, uh, some of you are podcast veterans and you don't need this information, but others of you are trying to navigate something new. Uh, and you probably have friends who are trying to navigate something new. And I just recommend that you tell them to listen. Go to sandyrios.com. sandyrios.com. It's got lots of other information on it that you might enjoy. It's got videos at the bottom of some of my appearances in the past and and uh, also uh, a special link to a website de- dedicated to my first child, which some of you heard you've some of you heard me talk about her, but her name is Sasha. Anyway, there's information on there that I think that you will um, I don't know, enjoy. I don't know, maybe that's the word. Uh, so sandyreels.com is a good way to tell people to listen. All right, enough of that. Now, it's time to bring Bruce in because, of course, so this is his bailiwick. He's a former FBI agent, and we're going to talk to him in just a second. Stay tuned. This is Sandy Rios 24-7 on American Family Radio. All right, Sandy Rios back with you on Sandy Rios 24-7. You know, one of the whistleblowers, Gary Shapley, is the person uh, that made public that WhatsApp chat text from Hunter Biden uh, t- 
to Henry Cho, who is the CEO of a Chinese asset management firm connected to the Chinese Communist Party. And you might remember this is what that chat said from Hunter Biden to Chow. I'm sitting here with my father, and he would like to understand why the commitment made has not been fulfilled. And Z, if Z, if I get a call or text from anyone involved in this other than you, Shang, or the chairman, I will make certain that between the man sitting next to me and every person he knows and my ability to forever hold a grudge that you will regret not following my direction. Well, President uh, Biden was asked about that because uh, he says several times, meaning Hunter, in this text that he's sitting next to his dad. His dad is right there. His dad is right there. I think he says it's three times. So Joe Biden was asked about that recently by a reporter, and this is how he responded. Clip one. President Biden, how involved were you in your son's Chinese shakedown text message? Were you sitting there? Were you involved? Were you involved? Were you? No. No. Okay, except that we have the proof that he was. In fact, there's a report now that the day uh, that uh, Hunter made that text, he was filmed in his dad's Mustang with two girls in a bikini. There's a timestamp on that from his uh, computer. It just goes on and on, the proofs of this. But uh, I've asked my husband, the former FBI agent known as Bruce, <laughs> and my sweetheart uh, to join me for to just follow up on what we talked about with Mike. Good morning, sweetheart. Good morning. All right, so I know you have a lot of thoughts about what we just talked about, and I'm really eager to hear what you have to say. Well, I think what we have to do in this situation is – Keep our eye on the big picture. Really, this whole effort by the left and by the Bidens to quash this story about Hunter is nothing more than trying to keep Joe Biden in the White House and keep him eligible to run in 2024 if he is the the candidate for the Democrats. Um, The only reason that Hunter is uh, being prosecuted at all is because there's so much evidence against both Hunter and his father, the president, that someone has to go down for something. So what was ha- what happened is a selection was made uh, to let Hunter plead to some misdemeanors. I mean, this is ridiculous. The amount of evidence here is overwhelming. It really is, isn't it, honey? And and there's hey, you know they are directly. The Department of Justice is directly violating its own guidelines in this Hunter Biden case, where if you have non-payment of taxes and evasion or obstruction uh, to keep people from finding out about it, those must be charged as felonies. And I guarantee you, if anyone listening to this had done what Hunter Biden did, we would be facing a long jail term. And instead, Hunter's probably going to plead to these misdemeanors and get probation and diversion. Wow, what a slap on the wrist. You know, anybody that's had to tangle with the IRS and not paid their taxes understands. That's why there's a fear of the IRS. And I think it's been a good fear. I think you would agree with that. It causes people kind of, it is a kind of an honor system where you, even though you resent maybe paying as much taxes as you have to sometimes, there's been kind of a trust in an institution. But And we know, though, if we don't pay our taxes, there's hell to pay. Uh, you'll have to pay a lot of money, and you might go to jail, and they enforce that. So here we are with the president's son uh, violating in the most egregious way and potentially, probably, likely getting off with it. But it's not just him, Bruce. It's the president. Well, and really, the entire U.S. government, as far as the Department of Justice, the office of the president, uh, these are all on trial with this Hunter Biden case. Um, we have the evidence right in front of us that the Department of Justice has uh, obstructed this. You know, they're doing exactly what they're supposed to prevent. They're obstructing justice. They're influencing these uh, investigations to go easy on the Bidens. They're hiding evidence from certain departments that other, like the, the IRS whistleblowers who were investigating the Hunter Biden case and Joe Biden, they were not allowed to see the evidence that the FBI had. You th- and that was not by accident. This U.S. attorney, Leslie Wolf, working in Delaware, that she tipped off the Bidens 
that there was going to be a search warrant executed on a storage locker that Hunter Biden had where it was presumed there was all kind of evidence about the payoffs he was getting from these companies. Okay, so what's wrong with that, Bruce? What's wrong with that? No, I'm serious. You spell that out. Why is that a bad thing? Why is that a bad thing? Because (laughs) if we can't trust law enforcement, who can we trust? Nothing is more important to people than from the government than being secure and being able to trust them. The government is there to handle our national security and also our security at home. And in this case, we've uh, compromised both of those things. Well, no, so I guess to boil it down for a simple understanding, she's the prosecutor investigating a potential crime and instead of uh, being on the side of the prosecution, she's going over to the side of the people that are being potentially going to be prosecuted or brought up for charges and tipping them off about the investigation. That's a, I don't know how to make it. That's a, that's like treason. That's like treason in the legal profession, isn't it? Well, well, you can't that, do that. Yes, it's that, like you're defending someone and then you call the call the uh, criminal and tell his attorney something that's going to come up for the for uh, the prosecution or the defense. Yeah, you cannot operate as a law enforcement agency if you know every time you bring a case forward to the prosecutor, the prosecutor is making a call to the the person you're investigating to undermine your investigation. And that is exactly what was going on here. And again, this is so systemic now. It's so deep. Um, You know, I pray this judge that's going to listen to this uh, proposed plea deal takes a pause and says, you know what, I am not satisfied that justice is being done here because the judge has that discretion. And I have to tell you, anyone with two cents of, of uh, legal knowledge, when they see a plea deal like this come before them, has to think, do I really want to put my name on this? Yeah. Do I want to accede to this? Because I'm being, I'm basically being made a laughingstock. The, the judge is, is sort of the fall guy in a way on this, because if he goes with this plea deal, he's just another arm of the apparatus of this Democratic yeah. or left-wing a cover-up. Well, it's specifically the Biden grip on on Delaware. It's a small state, and they've been controlling it for years. It was like the it's like John McCain's grip on Arizona. I realize some of you love John McCain. I don't. Sometime we'll talk about that. Uh, I think he was corrupt, and uh, so he held a, an iron grip on Arizona. That's one of the reasons Carrie Lake had such trouble breaking through. It was the John uh, McCain faction that was trying to stop her. But that's another story. But I do actually want to transition to politics for a second, Bruce, in closing, because uh, Mike mentioned this. This surprised me. He said um, uh, Speaker McCarthy, Kevin McCarthy, mentioned on television when we were talking, he said the night before, that he was uh, he hinted that he was willing to consider impeachment of Joe Biden now. Here's the thing. I know that a lot of people are pushing for this, a lot of people that I know and and trust, but I have a concern Bruce, I, I have a concern because I um, this would be my concern. We have another election coming forward. We're kind of hoping, even though I think it's a really long shot, that any Republican can prevail. There remains an ember of hope that we could actually uh, make it to the finish line and get someone in that office uh, that would actually start pull, pulling this stuff back, and we pray to that end. But um, if... President Biden is impeached. I just fear that the Democrat powers that be will find a way to remove him, and that will be completely moot point. It'll be out of the headlines. It'll no longer be important. We'll have a different candidate. And uh, the whole situation, which I think was treason, will be uh, on the back burner of the news. And uh, that's my concern. I don't know if you think that... Does that make sense no, to you? No, I, I absolutely agree with you. I think that the, the Democrats are so corrupt at this point that they will use anything they need in order to win that election in 2024. And this may actually... If, if an impeachment is brought forward, that might play right into the Democrats' hands. Joe will... You know, I, what I would expect is that all of a sudden... He would have a medical issue. Yes, me too. And mm-hmm. he had to step down as yeah. president. And someone, and, look at this lovely person stepping it, 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 in like yes, Michelle Obama. Yeah. And, and the subject will be changed. And, and again, and this will be gone. as I started with, you need to keep in mind the big picture here. Yeah. 
This is not only about trying to impeach someone, trying to prosecute someone. This is about, as Mike Howell said, the deep-rooted corruption in all of these federal agencies that we have to root out if we're going to continue as a republic. Yes, and I'll repeat what I said with Mike, and that is we have to pray. In fact, I'm going to pray, Father, have mercy on us. I remember so well through Scripture that the first time you destroyed the earth, it was because of the violence. I think of the violence in abortion. I think of the violence on our streets. I think of the violence against children to, to, to mutilate their bodies and change, supposedly fake change their genders. Father, uh, we know that we deserve judgment. And we know that, um, but we also know, because every time you bring judgment in the Old Testament, the, the, the prophets quickly switch to what a forgiving, loving, long-suffering God you are, who brings justice, but then forgives, and then brings blessing. So, Father, we just ask that you'd have mercy, that you would bring judgment, because we can't live in a place like this. We can't live in a place where this is happening to our children. And so we ask for you to bring judgment, then we also pray that you show mercy. And now, Lord, we pray particularly for those people that are putting their lives and their futures on the lines I just pray that because they are people of truth, that they would actually hear your voice because you're the God of all truth. I find a lot of people come to you uh, just because they're truth seekers. And so we pray for that for each of them so that that special strength of the Holy Spirit can fill them. And we ask that you would have mercy on us even as you bring judgment. And I pray that in the name of Jesus. Amen. All right, well, that's, uh, that's uh, the conclusion for today's show, and um, this is something that you might want to share with your friends if you think it's beneficial. And uh, Our hearts are a little bit heavy, but uh, look, we, God gives us, gave us today, so we're going to enjoy today, right? <laughs> enjoy the goodness of today and not uh, spend our time worrying about tomorrow, but uh, we work in the meantime. We work hard to sort things right. Thank you for joining us on Sandy Rios 24-7.